This is the Dexter First Pentecostal Church podcast. Dexter First Pentecostal Church is located at 1213 North One Mile Road in Dexter, Missouri. Our current service times are Sunday morning at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Today's message is entitled, He Saw Me. It was preached by Pastor Jeff Wells on Sunday morning, October 25th, 2020. Our hope and prayer is that it is a blessing to you. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. The Amplified says, as he passed along, he noticed a man blind from his birth. He saw a man who could not see him. Hallelujah. You may not be blind today, but every single one of us can relate to this verse. He did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. When I could not see Him, when I wondered if He existed, as the song we just sang, He was always there. There was Jesus. He was looking at me before I was ever able to look at Him. Simply this morning, I want to preach to us this subject. He saw me. Lord, I love you. I thank you this morning, God, for your sweet spirit that we have felt. I'm so grateful for your word and its authority. And Lord God, there are, there are those here this morning. God, we come from all different types of backgrounds. But Lord, today, God, each of us, God, you have looked on us. You have saw us. You have reached for us, God, even before we even acknowledge your existence. And Lord, I'm so grateful today. Help us, God, have revelation, understanding, Lord, of your mercy, your grace. God, your purpose for our lives. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Can we thank him this morning? Come on, church. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17 says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places, fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. When you are in need, and you may not even know or realize what you are in need of, the Lord says, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll open up rivers where there shouldn't be rivers. Uh, Amen. I'll I'll bring fountains where there shouldn't be fountains. Uh, And verse 20 says that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this. You are here this morning simply because of that verse there, because the hand of the Lord is orchestrating your, your, your emotions. And you may not even realize it here today, amen, but the Lord has noticed the, those here today. I'm grateful this morning that I stand here completely, amen, without any reason within myself of being able to do or be what I am, simply because of the goodness of the Lord. I'm thankful today, aren't you, amen? that you've got a merciful and a gracious God that looked down and saw me. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, He died for us. It wasn't because of our ability. It wasn't because of anything that we could do, our talent. Amen. But he looked at us, and through his mercy and grace, he reached further down than he could have ever, amen, than we could have ever reached up. I'm, I'm grateful. Hallelujah. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? Amen. As the song says, I'm so glad that the Lord saved. Hallelujah. Several years ago, there was an airplane, a flight uh, from Honolulu. And it was flying from Honolulu. Its destination was Hilo or Hilo, however you pronounce that, of Hawaii. And it overshot its destination. It found itself 30 miles out over the Pacific Ocean before turning back. And the pilots originally said that it was, there beca it was because their radars had failed. But later they admitted that they had fallen asleep. It's not good if you're a passenger of that plane, amen? Another flight a few years ago, Northwest Airlines Flight 188, they blamed a loss of situational awareness, is what they called it, when their plane shot past its destination, the city of Minneapolis, continued flying for another 150 miles. The flight with 149 people aboard that sped along unaccounted for for 78 minutes before a concerned flight attendant contacted the pilots via the intercom. Turning around over Wisconsin, the aircraft finally landed at its original destination. And while the pilots claimed that they simply were distracted, most authorities believe that they also had fell asleep. That's not a good indication. Every time I step onto an airplane, I like to look in the eyes of the pilot. I want to make sure, man, did you have a good night's rest? How are you feeling today? Are you doing okay? Because I'm fixing to put my life in your hands. I want you to be on the job. I don't want you falling asleep. Uh, I don't want you being distracted because I've got a destination I like to get to, and I want to get there alive. <laughs> Amen. I'm grateful this morning that our pilot, if you will, the author and the finisher of our faith, you don't have to worry about him getting distracted. You don't have to worry about him getting sleepy. In Psalms 121, it says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He is alive. He is alert. Amen. He is aware. Hallelujah. The Bible says that it is the Lord that is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. Amen. And this reference of shade it's a positive image of protection. It portrays an enveloping safety and refreshment from the heat. Amen. Verse 7 of Psalms 12 it says the Lord keeps you from all harm and he watches over your life the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and tomorrow and the next week and the next year forever and ever he's watching he don't slumber he's not sleeping he's not distracted <laughs> Even in the year of 2020, that is a year full of all kinds of crazy distractions. Amen. God is not distracted. He is, he is focused. He is concentrated on what is happening. He knows exactly. He does not slumber. The word slumber means to be in a state of rest. 
amen, in inactivity as an altered state of awareness. I've been there. <laughs> I, I've lived in that state before. I've been in that condition, but my God never has. He does not slumber. Isaiah 25 and 4 says, For thou shalt, or for thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. And when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Psalms 91 and 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. How many are thankful today? Amen. Praise God. Job, the book of Job tells us that the enemy, the adversary, Satan, in verse 7 of chapter 1, it says, amen, when the Lord said to Satan, whence comest thou? Where, where are you coming from? Then Satan answered and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now you've got to understand that, that Satan, yes, he is an angelic being. He's not like you and I. But at the same time, he is not like God either. God can be here and anywhere else, at the, and he is at the same time. God, amen, there's not a space of, of, of any time, place, existence that he does not exist in. Amen. There's nothing that God doesn't know that's the statement. Nothing. There's nothing he doesn't know. The Bible says that while standing at the beginning, he can see the ending. we got to understand the adversary does not have that power. Satan is, he, he's just like you and I. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But God does. Now, that's hard for me, and I'm sure it's for all of us to, to wrap my mind around how does God know before it happened? Well, He calls those things which are not as though they were. He, he's God. And, and again, that's something that, that none of us can really, we, we cannot relate to. But I'm thankful this morning, amen, that God is almighty, but the devil is not. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm telling you, all means all. I can get through this situation. I can overcome that lifestyle, that addiction. I can overcome that which has me bound. I can do it. Why? Because it's through Christ. Because He can do anything. So we understand that, that although Satan is an angelic being, he has abilities that we don't have, but he does not possess all power. So for him, he's not able to be here and somewhere else at the same time. So the chance of the devil, Satan himself, bothering you is very slim. We blamed him for a lot of stuff, and he don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I referenced this the other day, and I, I don't have it. There was, there was seven, eight, nine individuals that were individually targeted by Satan himself in the Word of God. So the chances of you and I being targeted by Satan himself is very slim. Now, he has a kingdom, and he has, he has demons, and certainly we've, we have felt their effect. We, you may have even seen them before. Amen. They do exist. 
But my point of the matter is, when we call out to God, we're not having to call out to an angel to get a hold of God for us. We don't have to cry out to his mother and hoping that she will give him the message. <laughs> we have direct access to the King of kings and Lord of lords. When you and I bow our knees, guess what? We have the attention of the creator of the world. Hallelujah. But, but when, I don't know how the devil and his demons communicate. I don't understand all of that, but I'm just, I just know that he can't be here and uh, he can't be everywhere. So he's having to go to and fro. The Bible says, uh, Peter said, for us to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Because he can't get there just like, like God, God is there. God never, God never has to step on the scene because he's already there. <laughs> Hallelujah. We talk about having a move of God. Let me tell you. Amen. And brother, brother Jeff Arnold will tell you. I've heard him say this many times. That, that is theologically not correct. Because that's, that's almost acting as if God had to move in here. He was already here before we ever got here. But what God does is he demonstrates his presence. When you begin to worship the Lord, you're not attracting God to come over here. He was already here when you started. But you start worshiping and his presence begins to be demonstrated. And we feel the presence of God hallelujah so the enemy he is going to and fro in the earth he's walking about seeking whom he may devour now again I don't know the, the, the limits that he has uh, uh, obviously he, he travels faster than what we could probably travel uh, but, not, but still yet he cannot be here and here at the same time he, there, there's a separation there uh, but I've got good news here this morning uh, amen that you and I even though we have an adversary who is walking all throughout the earth uh, seeking whom he may devour uh, amen attacking uh, with his kingdom uh, among you and I uh, amen but I've got a, a God you and I have a God today who the Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Devil, you may be running over here and running over there, and you may be dispatching your demons here and, and there, but we've got a God whose eyes amen, are always looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. And notice it says to show himself strong in the behalf of them. I'm telling you, I've just got news. Devil, if you happen to be in the vicinity, uh, and, and, and demons, uh, if you happen to hear what I'm saying, uh, I just want you to understand. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, you can do all that you can do, uh, but we have a God here today uh, who is much greater uh, that cannot even be compared to. Uh, amen. We've got a God who is looking out for His people. Uh, amen. There's nothing that you go through or you experience that goes on. Unnoticed by God. Hallelujah. Why would God go to such a length for you and I? I mean, really, if I were to die today, and that's always a possibility for all of us, we don't have a day guaranteed. But whenever that day comes for me, guess what's going to happen? The world will continue to go on. 
And matter of fact, well, the majority of this world will never even know I existed. There will never be a Jeff Wells holiday. Banks will never be closed in my honor. Amen. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to have a monument that's going to be built with my mug. No. I'm not a man of great influence, and neither are any of you. Why would God go to such an extent for me and for you? Amen. We're unknown, and, and we'll remain that way. I'm telling you, we, we, don't, we don't comprehend the very fact. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 that and God is at the end of his creation. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Do you realize that you're included in that? Amen. Praise God. You and I were made in the image and the likeness of God. I'm like a turtle on a fence post. I did not get here on my own. Amen. I'm reminded of the, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company pulled into a service station to get some gas and he went inside to pay and he came out and he noticed that his wife was in this deep conversation with the service station attendant. Turned out that, that his wife knew this, this gentleman. In fact, back in high school, before she met her eventual husband, she'd actually dated this man. The CEO, he got in his car and he drove, they drove off in silence and he was feeling pretty good about himself and he finally said, I bet I know what you're thinking. I bet you were thinking that you sure are glad you married me, Fortune 500 CEO, and not him, a service station attendant. No, no, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking that if I had married him, he'd be a Fortune 500 CEO, and you'd be a service station attendant. <laughs> you better know who you are and whose that you are. The reality is that God has created us in His image and in His likeness. You know, you may feel, what, what, I'm, not, I'm of no value. I, I read a story the other day and talking about the most expensive bottle of vodka. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, the bottle of vodka got my attention because it, it cost $1.3 million. Now, I've never drank vodka. I don't know what a bottle of vodka would cost, but I'm going to say that it probably doesn't cost close to a million dollars. Come to find out that the reason it cost so much was because the bottle was made from gold and silver. It had a diamond encrusted cap and it was on loan to this bar in, in Copenhagen, I believe it's Denmark, and had a collection of, of, of vodka bottles on display. Well, someone walked in and stole the bottle. $1.3 million walked outside. Guess what? They found the bottle of vodka on a in a construction site, and the bottle had been, it was empty. Somebody drank the, the vodka, but they left the bottle. The vodka wasn't really that valuable. The bottle was valuable. Too often we get confused on what's valuable and what isn't valuable. For what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Let me tell you, you're valuable. Look at your neighbor and say, you are valuable. 
You were created in God's image and in His likeness. I want us to consider this. Every single one of us is composed of 10,000 trillion trillion atoms. That is more than the stars in the universe. Each human body contains between 10 and 100 trillion cells. And each cell is made up of a trillion atoms. In one lifetime, a heart will beat over 2 billion times. It will pump 60 million gallons of blood through 68,000 miles of blood vessels. Even the smallest blood vessels, the capillaries, uh, they have some 70,000 square feet of surface area. We breathe 600 million times over an average lifespan. With each breath uh, processing over a billion trillion air molecules, uh, which pass uh, over 300 million, uh, amen, that, that provide a surface area equivalent in our lungs uh, to half a tennis court. The retina. In our eye contains over a hundred million rods and cones that take continuous pictures. In one third of a second, the retina solves the equivalent of a nonlinear differential equations that would take a supercomputer a hundred years to solve. The human ear has millions of moving parts and can vibrate 20,000 times per second, hearing sounds over a range of intensity that varies by a trillion and can distinguish among 2,000 different pitches. The human nose can distinguish 10,000 different smells. Amen. Especially if you have boys. Our three-pound brain it's the most complex arrangement of matter ever discovered in the universe. It contains 10 billion neurons and has 100 trillion neurological interconnections that if you stretch them out, they would extend 100,000 miles. Every single one of us has this. Billions of skin cells are replaced every day. The entire surface of of the skin is replaced every two weeks. Humans have five million hair follicles. Didn't say you had hair in them, but you've got five million hair follicles, which over a lifetime, get this, over a lifetime, you can you grow over two million feet of hair. I don't believe that, but that's what they say. Amen. Two million feet there. Tell you what, you are an amazing creation. You were created in the very likeness and the image of God. The biology of the human being, according to Dr. Richard Swenson, is obviously stunning. What about the theology? Scripture teaches that we are made in God's very image, in His likeness. We are made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. As it turns out, he says, we were not just some science project for a rainy day in heaven, but instead, amen, a creative effort reassured, amen, by the Father that made us for His glory and for His pleasure. When we gain a picture of what this creative God has done within us, it helps us to understand that we are more than a random collection of organized 
Christ Adams. Within the miracle of the human body, there is sanctity, there is hope, and there is glory. And more important, this same awareness also helps us to appreciate that such a creator is rightly regarded, amen, with all. When we see him more clearly, we have more faith in his power and less anxiety about our circumstances. Hallelujah. This morning, you may consider yourself a lost cause. You may consider yourself as being unreachable. I'm telling you, you may have made decisions that has made your life difficult. And you may have had to encounter some of those, amen, consequences for those decisions. But I'm just wanting you to know today that those decisions you made, those mess-ups that you've encountered, those mistakes that you have made, amen, they have not devalued you. They have not caused you to have less value in the eyes of God. Society may look down on you and society may say that you're not worth saving. But I'm telling you this morning you've got a God who saw you in the darkest of days. You've got a God who sees you today and you have just as much value today as the day in which you were created. You may feel even as though that you are unfindable. Say, Pastor, I am so far off the map. There's no way God knows where I'm at. I've got good news for you. Jesus has never taken his eyes off of you. You mean when I was involved in sin and those horrible actions? Yep. Jesus saw you. And see, the way our brains respond is when that, when that happens, well, you know, what, what we deserve is a, is a good swift kick in the hinder parts. Amen. That's how, you know, our kids, or when, they, when our kids mess up, what do we do? We, we discipline them, and then that's okay. But let me tell you what, God, God, it's unconditional. We don't understand this. We don't get this. That's why the older brother couldn't understand why the father killed the fatted calf and took the robe and the ring and put it upon his younger brother who had went and wasted his inheritance. Amen. And the whole time when the father comes and says, what's your problem to his older son? He says, I cannot believe you did this. Why? You've never done it for me. And the father looked at him and said, all that I have is yours. You already had this. Amen. I'm telling you, God never takes his eyes off of us. Joan Ewing, amen, Brother Merle Ewing's wife, she wrote a song with the title, He Saw Me. I wish I could sing it, but I'm not going to. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Because really, if you're not Merle Ewing, you can't sing this song, in my opinion. It's just a Merle Ewing song. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read you the lyrics. On the balcony of space... Stepped a pure and holy God. And in awesome solitude, he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light. Just endless rolling, blackest night. But somehow, through all the darkness, he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. 
He saw babbling brooks, wild flowers grow, even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion, as close to love as pain can be, standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him, pure, clean, and holy, spotless white within. But he saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to be set free. But he knew that if I became like him, he must become like me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'm thankful this morning that he saw me. I'm telling you, church, you're not going to find a more kind, a more gentle, a more loving and merciful God than the one in which we have felt here today and experienced his presence. You're looking for hope? I'm telling you, it's here. Amen. You're looking for relief? Uh, you're looking for, the, for, uh, for to be refreshed? I'm telling you, it is here today. You don't have to look anywhere else. Uh, amen. Because he's been watching. Uh, he sees right where you are. Uh, he is able to, to lift off that burden. Uh, amen. Off your shoulders. Uh, he's able to break those chains uh, that have you bound. Uh, he's able to deliver you uh, from your captivity. Uh, amen. He's able to. Uh, and he's fully aware of everything you have experienced. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to land this morning. Jonah, the Bible tells us, when we're introduced to him in the book of Jonah chapter 1, the very first verse, man, we read where <coughs> God had given him instruction to go to Nineveh. Amen. Verse 3 tells us Jonah's response. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Anytime you're disobedient to God, it's taking you away from the presence of God. It's leading you astray. Jonah, there's no, there's no justifying this. Jonah doesn't say, well, you know... I think God, God, Jonah knew what he was doing was, was not right. He was going the opposite direction of where he should have been going. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Amen. <clears throat> to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's very clear that Jonah was willing and he, he made the conscious decision. I am going to go away from God. We have seen people, we have probably been those people that have done just that. We have consciously made a decision to walk away from God. Now, I don't think that we intentionally mean to go as far as we went, but nevertheless, we chose to go away that we know we shouldn't have. We knew we shouldn't have opened that door. We knew that we should have never stepped into that territory, but we did it anyway. Just like Jonah. 
But here's the thing I want to point out this morning. The very next verse. Verse 3 says that he went into a ship that was taken from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4 says, but the Lord sent out a great wind. Notice that Jonah was fleeing away from God, but he couldn't get away from him, could he? Jonah in his rebellion, his disobedience, he's going away from God, but God is not going away from Jonah. God sends out a great wind. God prepares a great fish. The whole time, God is looking upon Jonah. Jonah, we know the story, he's swallowed by a great fish. He likens it to the belly of hell. Guess who saw him there? See, even there in the depths of the sea, in the, in the belly of this great fish, God was still looking upon Jonah. <laughs> Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was blind. This man could not see Jesus. This man could only go by what was described to him. This man did not have the ability to to see Jesus with his own eyes, but Jesus still saw him. You may this morning be in a condition where you don't know how you'll ever get out of it. You may even sit here today and say, Pastor, I, I hear everything you're saying. I even agree with what you're saying, but I don't feel anything. I am numb to what you're talking about. Don't, don't, don't get worried. I'm telling you, this decision is not made through emotion. This decision today, amen, this understanding is that God, even though I may not feel like I think I should feel, uh, I may not be in the condition I think I should be in, I'm telling you that Jesus sees you right where you are. Even when you don't feel like you've got the ability to see Him, He's watching. And all He needs, amen, is an opportunity. Hallelujah. All he needs is, is, is for someone, amen, to say, here I am. Lord, I surrender. Amen. I'm not going to worry about the days ahead. I'm going to worry about the next step. I'm going I'm to make sure the next step is going towards you. And the next step after that is continuing in your direction. Because, Lord, I'm trusting today that you see me even when I cannot see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. As we stand here this morning, God, <laughs> the world places value on things that really have no value. There are people today that will enter into eternity. And they will be like the rich man, the Bible describes, as being able to fare sumptuously every day. Amen. But when they die, they're buried. And then there are those like Lazarus who would not have, did not have what we would consider a good life. But when he died, the Bible says he is carried into the bosom of Abraham. I don't know about you, but I, I would rather, if I have to live 
through some difficulty here. I'd rather do that and be carried rather than to have all the, the wants and the desires of this world and just to be buried. Because the Bible says that while in hell, he lifted up, the rich man lifted up his, his face, being in torment. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm so thankful you never took your eyes off of me. I'm so thankful, God, in those moments of, of my despair, in the moments of my rebellion, in the moments uh, oh, where I've been disobedient to you. You never took your eye off of me. But when that prodigal son decided, I'm going to go back home, I'm going to be just as one of, the, one of my father's servants. When he made his way back, the Bible says that his father saw him coming and he ran. Come on, church. This morning, amen. Don't think you've got to get to a certain point to where then I'm going to give my life to God. Why don't you just give your life to God right now? Why don't you just take what you have and say, God, I'm, I'm laying everything down. I'm just giving myself to you. I'm not holding this burden any longer. I'm not running from you any longer. Because no matter how fast I run, I can never outrun your vision. You always see me. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's reach out to Him. Oh, God, I repent. God, I'm dying out. I'm surrendering to You this morning. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's find us a place. Let's kneel before God. Let's, let's surrender to Him this morning. In Jesus.